When chaos begins to emerge in our world, where can we go to remind ourselves of hopeful humans that are helping to create a more compassionate world? Each month in the Restorative Pulse podcast, tune in as we feature thought leaders creating innovation, innovative change in our world and in our systems, from the macro level to the micro level, in our schools, healing spaces, and beyond. I'm Julie Johnson, founder of Integrate Network, and this is the Restorative Pulse podcast. Hey everyone, it's Julie Johnson, uh, founder of Integrate Network, or I guess co-founder. I keep on saying this and I'm like, oh, because I, I try to Victor- make, I like to give Victoria credit for, the, for this, even though they're off doing cool things around grief and healing and it's called Gentle Season. Shout out to Gentle Season, by the way, follow it on Instagram, Victoria's new project, super cool. So, um, but uh, I'm, uh, this is, I don't know, episode late teens <laughs> so brain, I was like, I'm, I've recorded a couple of podcasts in the last couple of days which will be coming out over the next couple of weeks all of them like in the last like four days so I'm losing track of what episode number we're on let me go check here I, I should say this we are on episode hold on episode um I don't know episode Rachel so um I've got Rachel McConville here and um she is it, are you pronouns she her I always forget that yeah, yeah. They? okay yeah um she's a um Reiki practitioner a yoga teacher restorative yoga teacher and she also um has has a background in um personal recovery uh from addiction but also she um also has a cool way of looking through um yoga through the lens of recovery. So we're going to be talking about all of that tonight. But Rachel, do you want to talk a little bit more about, you know, your journey and your, you know, your stuff leading up? I mean, obviously, like what's brought you here and what's inspiring you and motivating you to yeah, do this work yeah. around the, the, the R's recovery, the <laughs> restorative yoga and ancestral healing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. I have appreciate the space to just allow my voice to be heard and to maybe share anything with with other folks that out there that might resonate with them or just give them a little nod to let them know that they're not alone in this. Um, so yeah, I I guess I can start. Um, I, I am all the things that you listed. <laughs> right. I am also um, a mom. I have uh, two bonus sons. And then my husband and I have our youngest together. And we have a just a beautiful life together at this point. But I do have uh, quite a history of coming through this and using yoga as a lens to, to help work through recovery and through that mm-hmm. process. Um, I would say I... I came to yoga when I was young and to in my teenage years and things like that, but I didn't develop or cultivate that deep relationship until, until I found myself um, just really working to heal some physical wounds um, that I had sustained. And it, it eventually just led me into this 
I guess, an unraveling and then a rebuilding, you know, which yoga does to, I guess, to many people. I'm not alone in that aspect. Uh, but it's been a helpful tool while working the recovery system because it just depends where folks are in their recovery and what what recovery system they're going through to obtain their abstinence or their sobriety or whatever it is. And I was um, I was definitely one of the resistors. I was definitely a person that did not align with um, much of the. I hate to use the word mainstream treatment, but I mean, at, at this point, you know, tr addiction treatment and recovery is a mainstream subject. Um, and when I found kind of that deeper connection in that path, it just unlocked a lot of understanding to me. And there are many teachers that I've looked up to that have also begun to intertwine yoga with like the 12 step recovery program. Um, but I wasn't, I wasn't a full committer to the 12 step either. So, um, learning, learning a lot about like the yamas and niyamas, ni, the yamas and the niyamas, um, helped guide me through the, through the recovery process. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about how, like, what, what are the namas and niyamas from like a yes. yoga standpoint, like what that sure. is, what those are. And for people that may not understand that, and uh, although we do have like a, a lot of yoga people that listen, just yeah. there are the, there's the average person that like, is like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like my mom listens <laughs> sometimes and she's like, I don't know what that is. I do yoga, I just don't know what that is. So yeah. can you talk a little bit more about what for the sure. yamas and niyamas are yeah, and so how they might support someone that is going through um, the recovery process? Okay, yeah, for sure. So the yamas and niyamas, um, the yamas are restraints and niyamas are observances. And those are two steps of the eight-limbed yogic path. And the eight-limbed yogic path is the path outlined in Pantanjali's yoga sutras that, you know, can lead you, can bring you to a life um, of enlightenment you could say enlightenment or you could just say a sustainable good healthy life you know because not everyone is ever going to reach full enlightenment mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. um so the yamas were more those are more of the restraints and the niyamas are like observances and we all when we're going through recovery there's five stages of the recovery process and it it benefited me along that stage because it, it gave me a way of something to relate to and it gave me an allowance of self-observance to take a step back. So ahimsa, um, which is one of the yamas, was a big one. And that one is nonviolence and freedom from harming. And that really came into, into play of um, releasing releasing that judgment that negative self-talk that's so intertwines with anyone that goes through addiction or trauma or anything like that and I mean any human really um and it almost gave gives it goes hand in hand with a recovery process like with a 12-step there's so many that you could look at you know like the truth telling um, which is satya you know that would go with whatever step you could correlate in the 12-step program because these are reckonings of the self you know really taking taking an inventory and taking stock of the self on an emotional level on a spiritual level and even a physical level you know um using like brahmacharya which is moderation moderation of everything you know of 
of everything that you put in your body and what you give out of your body as well. Yeah, I think that's really good. I think that's a really good um, statement for sure. A good breakdown of it. So um, how is like, so let's go into restorative yoga. Like, how do you yeah. see this for you? How, what was it for restore about restorative yoga that really called to you from like this lens of with your history of I mean maybe it's connected maybe it's not maybe yeah, you can just well, like you can just like yeah, restorative yoga. <laughs> yeah I mean it so I didn't really go to restorative because I thought I needed it for recovery in that sense I actually came back to that practice to heal um physical wounds that I had because I had sustained um some pretty pretty bad uh breaks and fractures in the body um, mm -hmm. after an accident. So restorative was definitely a way to come in that was gentle and easeful. And as, mm -hmm. as my relationship progressed there, it really, um, led to me just learning and gaining that deeper knowledge of what restorative does for the body on those levels. You know, it, it's, it helps with, if you, anyone with PTSD and trauma, which obviously correlates, goes hand in hand with addiction. Um, mm -hmm. It helps with the dissociation that so many that suffer with trauma have. And because it allows us to turn off from the external and it really just gives that allowance of that space to, to listen inward and to, to focus on what you're feeling in the body. So for me going through physical recovery, so I was doing physical therapy and things like that, you know, but there were exercises that I could do and I would say, oh yeah, you know, I might notice like a little less pain or, you know, a little less mobility, but there just wasn't, when you go into physical therapy, there's just, there is a healing factor on the physical level, but I think what so many trauma survivors really need, it's, it's a physical level, but it comes in a spiritual and energetic form when you're on the mat and in, in restorative yoga. Um, and it allows you to, it just, for me personally, it allowed me to feel my body in places that had been mentally shut off, you know, whether it was like the trauma from the accident or things like that, because that's what, that's what trauma does to the brain, you know, and it not only dissociates us from people and relationships, but it dissociates us from our own body. So mm -hmm. for me, I feel like the restorative yoga should go, it really, it should be hand in hand with going with any type of recovery process, whether it's physical, um, you know, or those coming from an addiction path or seeking sobriety and things like that, because it's just really going to allow, allow that uh, deeper awareness and that deeper understanding there. Mm -hmm. That makes so much sense. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think, I mean, that's, I mean, we talk about yin a lot on on this platform and on this mm -hmm. podcast, but I think it kind of has those same the same yeah. feels as well. Although, yeah, and just so we're clear, so people don't because I always get what's the difference mm -hmm. between yin and restorative. Yeah. Okay, so yin we have muscular engagement, restorative we don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> say is that your muscle? There's still yang in the yin in restorative. There is nothing like you're yeah. literally laying down like yeah. you, fully supported like, yeah right you have yeah. you use like in the in, in classical yin like the use of props like is like I'm just saying it's super classical this isn't the trauma-informed yeah. yin or like yeah. the way that a lot of my people teach but like are the people that I follow or are taught by but like 
you know, in Yin, it's a lot of, um, it's a lot of like, if you don't have to use the props, like it's supposed to like help you, you know, um, connect, you know, just, you can stress the joint to the point that it helps kind of, um, develop, break through the fascia and connect to the, go to the connective tissue. So like, that's the idea. That's the difference. Whereas in restorative, regardless of whatever you do, like you're using props, you, you, there's zero effort in the body. So Yes. Yeah. And, and experiencing that support in that way, it really, and when I talk about allowed being drawn into the body, that is what restorative does. Since you are fully supported in that way, it allows the, you know, a deeper healing of the bones of the, you know, the deep physical structure of the body without having to have engagement and activation. Absolutely. And yeah, and I think that's a really valid point um, about the activation. (laughs) Yin, it's like all activation not all activation no I'm not trying to scare people away from yin by the way I actually do love people inviting them in. but there is there tends to be and you can go back to Addie Hissler and I's conversation about it some of us tend to be more attracted to the more extreme sides of yin mm-hmm. I would be one of them and that's the cool part about restorative is that you tend to be one of those people that likes the most extreme sensation. Mm-hmm. Restorative might be interesting, <laughs> as my therapist would say. Yeah, and explore. <laughs> restorative is one of the hardest too, because I remember first coming into restorative classes and thinking, "Oh my gosh, what is this?" You know, like <laughs> I paid for what? I didn't realize I was going to be lying here like this and doing nothing. And but. I'm so grateful that I had that openness to come in that door and just experience it because I like, I'm a lover of taking, you know, stronger classes, vinyasa classes. Um, Also, you know, I go through my mix, but like my restorative is this whole other practice on its own because it's the, it's the one thing that is really, um, I mean, yoga gives that to you also, but it's, it's just such a deeper level there on, on the relaxation that you're going to experience without being in that, you know, without sleeping. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and, and some people, some people do experience activation, you know, in restorative yoga too. And oh, I yeah. think there's something wrong with you. Cause sometimes like, you know, I, I know Alicia who um, has on here and does a lot of stuff with integrate, but she's talked about how people <laughs> do like headstands, like between like restorative because like yeah. being still for that long is really, challenging yeah. so like one guy like I think came to her class like this is pre-COVID and like <laughs> did like a headstand yeah <laughs> anyway. and restorative that's great <laughs> he's can't even I mean, be gentle with legs up the wall we're going going hardcore right. there he just did like he just like turned I was like he's she's like orish donka like whatever yeah. <laughs> whatever you want yeah. I mean, it's free. You can do that. It's just like, is that the right class for you? That tends to be the question, you know, at that point in time. Yeah, it is difficult to stay in those postures. And I think um, keeping that trauma focused lens around it is really important. And there has to be some talking, you know, in your restorative classes. And I think that like, I'm trying to bring that level in of holding silence, but giving those gentle reminders. And we do try to like traditional restorative, I think would be little to no music, but when you're coming in with a trauma 
trauma lens, trauma sensitive lens, Mm -hmm. it's important to keep those, keep those things and letting the students know that's my biggest thing, you know, is like listening to your body. If you do feel like you need to turn over and do this and not listen to me, then, then this is the space to do it and you're safe to do it. in. and I think that is, that is an important lens and important for students to know coming into restorative that the experience is so different for everyone, but it, it's okay to not agree with what your teacher wants. You know, it's okay. To, yeah. to, it's okay to not agree. And it's okay to honor your body and, and listen to it and follow through. Totally. Totally. And I think like, totally. And I think, you know, like, um, you know, and I think it takes a little bit, it, it takes a minute there. And, you know, and yes. I, there have been some people where I've said, you know, like restorative may not be your thing. And honestly, I mean, like, if you feel like you need to do a headstand in the middle of a restorative class, I'm just going to go ahead and be a little bit frank and say, maybe that's not your class. Okay. Right. Like yeah. there, maybe like, if you want to call, you know, bring it, soothe it down a little bit, like maybe just like a gentle class, you know, yeah. I think that was like appropriateness. I think with restorative, like, I think there's tend to be like, Oh, it's going to be good for me. And then people get in and like, they've never been that still before or they find still this very yeah. hard and then they get activated and yeah. it goes the opposite way which is what was happening yeah. in, in Alicia's situation, you know, and, yeah. um, you know, what she was sharing in another podcast, you know, and then, you know, is that he ended up doing the headset because he got so activated. And so it's like, well, at that point in time, is it restorative? Maybe not, right. you know, it's because restorative yeah. isn't always restorative, you know, it yeah. may not be, you know, it might be something that can be activating. And I think that that's why sometimes, you know, going straight into it, especially if you're like a hyper aroused kind of a um, very Mm -hmm. Vaxa level, you know, person, it can, it can be, it can be, you know, people enter into it sometimes and find that their anxiety can ramp, can ramp up a little bit. And that trauma sensitive lens is really important with that. And sometimes it means like, you might just need to take your time with it, you know, and do like, I know like yoga glow and maybe it's something this is even for you, Rachel, you're talking about business development earlier, like doing like 10 minute ones, right. Instead of an hour, like start to, I agree on that too. 10 minutes. So because there are a lot of, especially with the history of like recovery, you know, like Mm -hmm. just because you, not that you went there, but people that may be attracted to you, you know, um, you know, might be like 10 minutes in practicing a restorative shape. Right. Before right. absolutely like a 60 minute one may be appropriate. Like that's super trauma sensitive to like have those little doses, right? Dosing to it, and then you could build up to it. So I love, you know, I don't know. That might be kind of a cool thing to think through. Yeah, no, and that's a great point because when I did, when I first started with my restorative classes, like when I first went into them, it was very intimidating and at points activating too, because and what are you supposed to do? You're lying there, you know, in the studio. Um, but it building a restorative practice at home is, is so imperative. And that is coming into my restorative practice over the years. That is how I started. I started, I would just learn about different poses after maybe I had taken them in the class or heard a teacher speak of them and, and take that at home, you know, and maybe if I was just lying on the living room floor while my kid was watching TV, you know, but I had felt myself activated in that moment or needed that release. And I was gaining knowledge of somatics, you know, going through therapy and and recovery and that. So learning how to get into your body like that, and it is a good gateway, but you do have to take it slow. You do. It's so important. And, and that is one of the things that I'm looking forward to offering is just doing doing shorter versions of those classes because it can, it can be very intimidating this a whole 60 minute class and it, and it 
I could see it can definitely discourage, you know, folks from coming into that restorative mm-hmm. space. Yeah. So especially, you know, yeah. And I, and I think sometimes people come into that, like, oh, I want to re- feel relaxed and they get into it and then they get mm-hmm. activated and they think there's something wrong. There's something wrong. It's just a matter yeah. of nervous, just, uh, just a matter yeah. of engaging with the nervous system in their own way and titration, yeah. you know, as we call it, like, yeah give it not dosing the amount of restorative you enter into right right <laughs> dosing it you know start with 10 minutes and then maybe we'll go to 20 and then maybe we'll right. eventually maybe 60 minutes will 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 work for you you know like one restorative class I used to go to with Sarah Thornton who was one of Alicia's teachers that I really liked is that she used to she did used to do a little bit of gentle movement you know for some people mm-hmm. and I think that really helped with it a little bit she would do a little cat cow and some mindful movement yeah. just to just because she could sense that and I thought that was really helpful for some in the yeah. room I agree but... too and a restorative class that I actually just taught a week ago I did have some gentle gentle mindful movement in there because I think it is important because you can you can you can feel that in the room especially coming in the room teaching you can feel your students energy or if you're in maybe you're not in tune to that but I, I it's definitely something that I feel when I'm in there um, in that space. And I think that's important for restorative teachers to keep in their mindset that it doesn't have to be um, so restrictive in that sense, that it's okay to, it's okay to fuse things in, you know, and, mm-hmm. and let restorative evolve to what it needs to be for your students and for them in that space. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's really healthy too, and very um, responsible to after that as well. So I totally, I'm, I'm totally with you on that one. So let's go into the next thing. So you also are finishing up, when are you done with your Reiki master training? So I've been attuned. I actually finish uh, tomorrow. No, not tomorrow. Wednesday. Wednesday is when I finish cool. that one. Yeah. Cool. Sad. So can yeah. you tell us like what your, um, yeah, tell us more about like Reiki for you and like what, like, I guess like what it, I guess, what you love about it and what you are hoping to take with it and maybe transmute into your own styling of offering with it. Maybe yeah. if that makes sense. We'll see where it goes. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no, ancestral yeah. healing, ancestral healing. That's yeah, 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 yeah. We can totally touch on that. So um, Reiki, um, I remember having my first few sessions, um, gosh, a long time ago, you know, and the first few times I had it, I didn't really... I just really wasn't tuned into that at that point in my life, you know? Um, and then I would say, oh gosh, it was 20. So maybe eight or nine years ago was when I started um, not seeing anyone for Reiki um, regularly, but I definitely started to add it in here and there, you know, adding it in with mas- when I would um, do my massages and get self-care, you know, and finding practitioners in that way. And the more I dug into it, the more I learned. And I, you know, there was a reason that I was drawn into it. And it really, it really served as a guide to assist any sort of trauma healing practices. And I think the ways that it assists that is that it just, it can really open and unlock new spiritual gateways that maybe we haven't ever experienced before. Um, the, the way that it really intertwines with trauma and with me specifically was that it, it allowed me to bring healing to past events, you know, and maybe even past events that, um, 
that aren't comfortable still, but it, it allows you to travel through time and space to heal it. Cause Reiki is the healing energy, the key, just a little backstory in case people don't know. Um, and it is, you know, Japanese tradition and it is, it's been used for centuries. So, you know, we all know that everything runs on energy, everything in time and space and learning that, that the Reiki can move between time and space was, was really big and using the Reiki to go to past events and just send, you know, send past Rachel some healing, you know, like we all, when we're going through that healing journey, we know about healing our inner child and loving on our little child and, and keeping that healthy and safe with us through our adult life. And it just unlocked a new component of being able to send healing energetically to a different time and space where maybe that wasn't getting touched on in my therapy or maybe that wasn't getting touched on in other ways and so that's for me that's that's kind of my my take on it and it really I also use it to create you know energetic layers and spiritual layers to protect myself now you know which Mm -hmm. is which is just an added bonus of it yeah yeah and I think yeah, no, I think that's a great point. One thing I like about Reiki is, and I tend to be very careful with how I use it um, mm-hmm. right now, um, just because I'm in the school system. No, it doesn't really have to do with the woo side of it, but I'm in the school system and I only have like two people, so I don't really advertise it, um, mm-hmm. but I do do it. I do, I'm yeah. a practitioner and I do practice it yeah. on a couple of people, but um you know, I have to be careful. It's because I'm in and out and I can't like be like, Hey, I can get my hands on you, but I'm going to yeah. these schools where there's a COVID outbreak. You know? right. so I, I'm not really practicing like big things, but I think the big thing for me, so I'm being kind of careful with the hands-on pieces right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can still do the cool thing is you can still do distance Reiki, which I think yeah. is really cool about, about yeah. distance Reiki, which is yes. one thing I, I do do with a couple of people. Um, uh, but, um, but I think the thing that I love about Reiki is that um, from like a um, Jungian, I guess, perspective is um, kind of psychotherapeutic, you know, is that you, um, is that you, you have the power to change the energy, right? Right. So if that's kind of where I think, and that's where I think Reiki work can be really powerful for people that are attributed to that Mm -hmm. you know um I think it can be really good for so like it can go a couple of ways for me like I can see people totally bypass that stuff and go straight kind of into like I'm balancing my chakras I'm not even (laughs) in like the physical world because all I do is talk about energies and like yeah like um like there's danger in that (laughs) and then there's also a place where you can also be kind of in like a kind of and a space I've lived in to be quite honest like Mm -hmm. you know kind of like a little bit more like eh, a little bit more of a skeptic a little bit of a critic of it and that would be me you know and like dissuade that and I think what's cool if you live in that world where I live in where you're kind of like I'm cool being in the relative world and like dealing with like the things I see you know but the cool thing about Reiki is on the other end of that is that, you know, it, it creates a sense of faith in something that is bigger than you. If you don't yes. have a, if belief is dangerous to you and I have a history mm-hmm. of religious trauma. So, yeah. 
you know, so I think that that's where it can actually be really healthy. I don't think I've talked on this very much. I was like, how do I get over here talking about this anyway? <laughs> but like, I was like, this is not where yeah. I wanted to go, but like, whatever, I followed it. So, um, I think that's where it can be really good from like a trauma healing space, especially if you tend to be more of like a critic or a skeptic about uh, like spiritual things. Agreed. Um, and I had, you know, I actually, you know, I come from, you know, having some religious trauma being raised too. And it was a new, it was a new connection for me after being so disconnected in that spiritual sense. It, it really did allow that for me too. So that is definitely a, a valid and a very important uh, point about it. You know, it's, it's not that we can change the series events that have happened in the past, you know, but through Reiki and he these healing modalities, we can like grant our inner child, the compassion and the grace to change those vibrations related to that situation, you know, and when we do that, you know, we've planted that seed, whatever it may be, whether it is healing or just, you know, like you said, changing the energy around that, you know, whatever that is to, to the experience or to the person experiencing it. And that's, what's so unique about the Reiki too, is that it, the manifestations are just the ways, um, the things that it brings to people on so many different levels. It's so fascinating to me. Um, it's, it's fascinating from a scientific standpoint, you know, learning, um, about how energy travels and changing and things like that, but it's, it's very, it's been very much of a, a way to unlock that, that spiritual connection or see it and come through skepticism by, by experiencing it as well. And I think that's really, I think that's the, that can be the powerful part of it. So I think it's like one of two things, you know, from like a trauma healing standpoint, I usually see it go actually one way or the other. I usually see people are like, and maybe it's not always, this is, I see pretty extreme situations. So um, I'm just going to vocalize that I do see extreme situations, but I usually see people kind of cut through the relative and are like, yeah. okay, whatever. I've got Reiki and um, here are my chakras. And like, they're, you know, they're like balancing yeah. their chakras and not speaking, um, speaking in the relative physical world anymore. And you're like, what happened? Or, or it's people like me that tended to be like, mm, I don't know about all of those things because of people like that, you know, people yeah. that were like, and then like, and I don't think either one is like, I don't, th I think either both extremes, extreme of anything is not yeah. the healthiest, right. but I do think like my Reiki training, like with you, I think it really helped me to understand the, um, I guess like the, the energy, like the biology of, of energetics, you know, yeah, yeah. and it also helped me like on a trauma, on a somatics level, it helped me also yeah. understand, like, like I said, like, I think I told you, like I use like what I use, like with people that can't feel their body, I use those Reiki, like warming the yes, body up, yes, you know, I yes, use that for yep. people and I don't tell them like, I'm like, if you were in a Reiki yeah. practitioner, this is me warming up Reiki. I don't, I don't yeah. say that, you yeah. know, I'm not returning Reiki yeah. on now. <laughs> yeah, that's not, you get, like you said, know your audience. <laughs> I don't say that to my people. Although there's one student yeah. that was like, heck yeah, when I said it, yeah. one time I said it, yeah, I was like, oh, you're, okay. <laughs> I do have one in my class. So um, <laughs> that does that. So um, there is one in there. You know, so I think that there's a cool piece to it that brings in that element of um, that can bridge, you know, the kind of the relative and the ultimate reality. Um, and I, but I think it is up to a, someone that does that to help, you know, once you go into the ancestral healing thing, you kind of are still connected into the physical realm and know yeah. how to kind of 
work that I think that's just really just a balanced perspective so I don't know yeah. what do you have more what do you do you have anything else to say on that on that piece? no and well just on the ancestral healing like it's that aspect is really interesting to me you know just going back and and talking about you know seeing so many people now like acknowledge generational trauma and really work to heal that and work to heal systemic trauma and you know, for, for those that practice or that, you know, are on in tune with Reiki, you know, I, I don't know if I should say have a belief in it or not, because I think it's there energetically, whether we realize it or not, but those that subscribe or don't subscribe, it is a, it's definitely a, an important tool in that, in those healing modalities, you know, knowing that your practitioner, if they're intuitive or if they pick up things, can go back to those spaces and aid you in in sending that, changing the vibe, changing the vibration, you know, the energy around that situation that could be something so far out of our um, scope of, you know, reality in this current state. So it's really, it's really fascinating. It's just fascinating to see. It's fascinating to practice with other folks. It's fascinating to see and hear um, the different experiences of it because they vastly range, you know, from, right. I don't, you know, of it being nothing or being smaller, maybe just helping people heal on a physical level. Also, like if from physical, physical injury, you know, um, it's just very fascinating. No, that makes so much sense. I think that's really, yeah, I think that's really great and really fascinating. And yeah. And I think that's the cool thing about Reiki is like, it doesn't, it's all good. And I think yeah. that was cool. Um, yeah. And it's kind of um, like, there's no dark energy to it. Right. Um, yeah. That's the cool part of it um, as well. Um, and I think that it's like a really, I think it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely the most, um, I think one of the most, I think it's, very, it can be very beneficial for people mm -hmm. that are coming out, that are learning about universal goodness. I think that's where it's cool. So it's like a trauma healing perspective, that there's yeah. nothing to, Reiki is not fixing you, right? Right. And right. like, there's actually nothing broken, really. It's just yes. a matter of, I don't even know how to say this, like learning to, I don't know, how would you, how would you word, like, if you're learning about ancestral trauma, like healing it, like, it's not that it's like, like the wounding, is that what you like, would just call it? Yeah, you know, and it's not, I mean, obviously, I can't travel back and stop something happen. But I think almost healing the wounding is changing the current pattern, yeah. too, you know, and it, it, it brings and I think the Reiki, maybe the job that the Reiki does in that aspect is bringing the awareness to the specific wound or to the specific thought process or ideal that is outdated or old and needs to be switched up, you know? Yeah. There's actually a girl that I is going to be on the podcast um, in October mm -hmm. talking about, um, her name's Jessica. She's a yoga therapist and a, um, I think she calls herself a spiritual social worker. I'm really excited. Yes, and um, she uses it to do this, to heal. Um, I'll have to send you her thing. I'm excited. I, we just finalized the dates today, but she actually uses Reiki to help heal um, racial, the history of racial trauma in the black community. Yeah, isn't, that, yeah. isn't that interesting? That's and she has like, That's beautiful. she has like a whole thing she does with it. And she calls yeah. it womb healing. Yeah. And yes. I'm really excited to hear her talk from it from like the racial trauma set lens. I'm yes. like fascinated by that. I'm like, yes. tell me more. Cause like, I can't obviously, I mean, I have my own racial trauma to like, I can yeah. continue to heal, but like, I'm interested to see 
how she works it from like the black community and like mm-hmm. as well so I'm really excited to hear her talk about that but that's yeah. her, kind of her um that's kind of her thing and she does workshops around it for the black community so I'm like that's that beautiful yeah hearing her talk about it so but it's but it's around that ancestral thing as well and so I I'm always interested in how people interpret that in their own work and, and stuff like that. And I know that, that this is kind of the beginning of the journey for you around that. Yeah. So, um, so where do you, like, how do you offer that to your, are you offer? is that mostly for yourself right now? Or do you offer that to like clients as well? Um, no, I do offer that to clients and clients it's, it's, it's case by case, you know, of what they're seeking, what, what they think that they're seeking perhaps, you know, cause we all come in maybe with a preconception or pre-knowledge. I need to go get Reiki for this or Reiki for that. Right. Um, so it's, it's, it's definitely, um, unique to the individual I would say, but it is definitely that I visit on and touch on, um, and, you know, calling it also, you know, just make, being sure to, attune the students to guides, you know, if there are guides that need to be present or want to be present that are important and take part in that healing process. You you know, it's interesting you say that because um, this is on point with COVID. Um, You know, I, I don't always talk about my therapy, my own therapy process, but I will today because it actually, actually falls in line here. So, you know, my therapist today, we were talking about, um, like learning to co-regulate with like I think you'll really like this actually it's why I was like this actually works really well um so like we were talking about like grief right and like how um people miss things right now we were specifically talking about just me and trying to like figure out like some aspects of grief in my life right now and we were like I was just kind of digging into it but she said something today in in there she was like you know t- now's a really good time to co-regulate with your spirit guides mm-hmm. <laughs> was really great she's like they're not gonna they're she's like because humans right now are infectious she's like yeah you know co-regulate with your spirit guides yeah maybe the archangels maybe yeah. the trees and that's my therapist for you and so <laughs> i mean like she can go where she's a pranic because she's a history and pranic healing yeah. so like she can go there if she wants if you want her to yeah. and um <laughs> so yeah. um I really liked that perspective of Reiki in that way of Mm -hmm. like, oh, if humans can't do that, then what can I do to be with like these things? I know this is like, so like, not usually where I go with this, but like, (laughs) hear me out people, you know, um, you know, now it's like time since like the the physical world sometimes is a little bit weird. Like, you know, like learning about spirit guides actually right now can actually maybe be a little maybe create a little bit of safety right in the yeah. nervous system and I really yeah. like that perspective that she offered I was like I haven't absolutely thought, I'm, I'm gonna sit with that one for a minute thank you <laughs> yeah yeah and just knowing that you know that I mean if that's something that everyone is open and accepting to knowing that you have those guides there you know that they are there you know then they're they're readily available and it it and it's different for all of us too, how we tap into them. You know, some people can tap in through Reiki sessions, some maybe not, you know, or maybe some people tap in through their guides while they're sleeping. So that's definitely, that is definitely relevant now, you know, and it's something that I think is becoming clear to a lot more folks, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, what she was trying to say is like this concept of like, like looking well, yeah. I think looking into connection through different ways that are 
ethereal you know and Mm -hmm. like maybe you know like I think especially people that have she was like talking a little bit more not necessarily about me but just she was talking about how she's been referring more clients to do that especially maybe clients that have like attachment wounds Mm-hmm. um that that sometimes can help especially right now during COVID when we can't like be with people as in you know as much like you can't be like you know not you can't of course you can but like you know that comes with a high high right. de- deathly consequences some for some um you know either that can help kind of um guide that can help kind of create a space for um um what's I looking for um no, it's not. It's not segment. What, what's it with attachment? Where you're, where you're. Not, it's not secular. Where you're like it's where you're secure. There we go. We create yeah. some secure, so a tendency towards secure attachment. And I thought that was yeah. a very interesting way of looking at it. That yeah. <laughs> is. And I, I love too. She was like, she's like, it, it can. If it's ready, she's like, it can create. It can help create a sense of secure attachment for those that are ready for it. I was like, that's a really interesting way of putting it that I've never yeah. put my head around yeah I know I thought it's a really was, great way yeah I know I was like huh that's really interesting so yeah so yeah so Reiki and ancestral healing I think that's a really and, and I think on the ancestral healing side too on that point to that point actually like doing that can actually also I think um do some can it can create a sense of discovery and curiosity around um I think attachment healing as well and I think that's for me that's what it really did was it really opened up a lens for doing some attachment healing Mm -hmm. on that is that is central that on that ancestral healing piece too and I think that for me was really that's what it was it was very healing on that realm for like a bajillion different reasons yeah um so yeah. And it is, it's amazing what, um, that we find what we can let go of or work through healing on those levels too, especially when we go back through ancestral ways like that, you know, things that, things that are weighing us down that we may not even really associate or know why and things like that, but they can come up in Reiki and different, different, um, modalities in that sense. So yeah, that's, mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else that you want to, oh yeah, you're going to, we're doing, um, okay. Yeah. I don't know if this is going to go. this probably won't go out before Saturday, but, um, Rachel's, we're doing a really cool um, thing on psycho yoga therapy, sorry, yoga and yoga to support psychotherapy that comes out, um, on Saturday. Um, I don't know what we're going to do about the recording yet, but should this come out before December 19th? You should sign up for this. I don't know if this will. I don't really have a lot of should it. You will hear more about it on 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 the socials. But <laughs> um, Rachel's doing it has a really cool part in that, um, and I do share the slides um, for that in integrate when I do it. So if you're listening to this after that, um, actually I might just put those. I'll put those slides in in the show notes. Why the fuck not? Um, actually, I can just put the recording in. Yeah, I'll just put the recording because it's free. Like, why wouldn't we? We can do that. I can upload it. So we'll do that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so so Rachel and Alicia and I are going to be doing a um, free event at Joy of Yoga live, if you want it live, um, on December 19th, this Saturday from 3 to 4.15. And we're kind of going to be breaking it up and sparsing it up around um, trauma-sensitive yoga, um, understanding how recovery, racial trauma, and um, mindfulness, trauma-sensitive mindfulness all kind of can help, you know, support 
anyone that's in the healing process from ancestral healing to psychotherapy to recovery. I don't know. Rachel, do you want to talk more about that, that piece of it? Yeah. Um, I, I'm definitely excited to add a little bit in on that. I'm going to add a little bit on, um, trauma and addiction, you know, and just really focusing on that, you know, obviously trauma and addiction go hand in hand and how the, I'm, I'm putting in a little bit about how the yamas and niyamas work, you know, and they just really work to cultivate self-discipline and they can provide, um, organization and structure on how to live life in recovery. So some folks, like I said before, you know, they resonate with the strict 12 step system. Some folks don't, and they go in and out and they really struggle with that, um, spiritual acceptance because a lot of, a lot of, uh, venues or people come in and they feel that that is hammered in and they have trouble with that. And it's just important to stay open and let people kind of discover that on their own. And I think the yamas and the niyamas that, you know, the two, those two paths of the eight limb path, I think they really play into those, to the folks that are coming in, you know, healing or going through a recovery process and it can give them that structure that they may be looking for. Maybe they don't know they're looking for. (laughs) Yeah. I think that makes total sense. So yeah, absolutely. And I think that, and I think that's also really good, especially because people that come in recovery, especially in like some things like kind of going back to like people that are like skeptical or don't want to like have to believe in God in order to heal. You know, I think the namas and niyamas can be really approachable. Yes. For those of us that are agnostic in the world. Yes. You know, like, yeah, um, yeah. It, it gives you that self-discipline and organization without having to subscribe to a set religious belief, which is, which is, you know, a lot of folks come in and, you know, maybe they gradually, they do end up going to that healing, that spiritual wound or, you know, shifting their belief or non-belief, whichever way it goes and no right or wrong in that aspect, you know, but it does, it can, it can really give, give that groundwork, that framework to, to cultivate the recovery, the recovery that folks need. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on here. Where can people find you to Um, connect further? Thank you. So yeah, I, um, I'm on uh, Instagram and Facebook on Facebook. I'm Rachel McConville and Instagram. I'm the Royal Dahlia. <laughs> That's more of my photography page, uh, which yeah, side gig for that too. But I also am currently teaching at joy of yoga and I teach there every Tuesday morning at nine 30 AM. I do uh, a gentle morning flow currently through the month of December. I'll also be there on Thursdays at nine 30 AM and Starting January 7th, you can find me at Joy of Yoga every Thursday at 7.30 p.m. for restorative classes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much uh, for all you do and for being here and really covering and bringing, I like, I love your lens around the Namas and Niyamas. That's super rad. And Ricky. Thank you, Julie. Super cool. I love it. Thank you. All right. I'm going to stop the recording. Thanks, everyone. All right. Thank bye. you. Okay. <laughs>